Uh, the fear of failure was a big one in the beginning. Um, because what happened to me was I was 27 years old and I was like miserable. And you know, I just kept trying to figure out what my life was for. You know, because I discovered something that the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you discover why. And at 27, I just hadn't figured out the why. And I walked into a comedy club October 8th, 1985. First time ever in a comedy club. Didn't even know comedy club existed. I actually went there on a dare. A girl dared me to go to this comedy club because she knew I was funny. I won amateur night that night, October 8th, 1985. I went to work the next day and quit my job. I won $50 and I went to work and quit my job. The day I quit, my boss, as I put my box on his desk and told him I was leaving to be a comedian, he talked me right out of it. He said, Steve, you're not even funny. He said, I've never heard you say anything funny since you've worked here. I've been selling insurance for two years. He said, are you kidding me? You've got a family. You put that stuff back on your desk and I'll give you your job back. But don't you ever come in here again with something ridiculous. You're going to be a comedian. I took all my back to my desk and put that back on my desk. Dude named Russell Middlebrooks came up to me and said, hey, Harv, I thought you was quitting today, man. I said, no, nah. I talked to Tom and he told me I wasn't funny. He said, he don't know you. He said, dog, you the funniest dude I know. He said, man, so and then he looked at me, he was so hurt. He said, damn, dog, I told everybody you was leaving today. He said, man, I can't believe he, you letting them tell you what to do. And he swole me back up because I had been deflated. And I took that box right back in and I said, Tom, hey man, I'm really funny, I'm gonna make it. He said, I'll tell you what, you leave out this door, don't ever come back in here again. So I tried to shake his hand, I said, I'm not shaking your hand. He said, you're making a huge mistake leaving your family out like this. He was right, I became homeless. Look, I made a big mistake. And was right. I became homeless. I lived in a car for three years. Uh, about, probably about 20 years after that, he was at a show. And he said, I came to the show. I saw this Steve Harvey. He said, I couldn't believe it was you. He was backstage. He said, oh my God, I always knew you were going to make it. I said, oh, man. Me and that dude, man, but that was, overcoming that was my biggest. And you know, none of my family believed in me. The only family member I had that thought it was a good idea was my father. Because my father was really funny. He just grew up in a time for blacks that was very different. And uh, he just said, son, if you think you can make it, get on out there and get discovered. My father was born in 1914. It wasn't good. My grandfather was a slave. My grandfather was born into slavery. My grandfather was a slave till he was 12. So my background of people becoming successful was like, and my dad was the only one who believed in me. Everybody else told me no. Laughed at me, all kind of shit. Here's a word that I'm gonna drop on y'all. Understand this, your attitude will compromise the altitude of your career. God didn't bring you on this earth for you to be average. 
basic, regular, normal. You're like a robot. What is everybody thinking? That's what I'm going to think. What is everybody wearing? That's what I'm going to wear. What is everybody driving? That's what I'm going to drive. What does everybody want to do when they grow up? That's what I'm going to do when I grow up. You're like a robot. Monkey see, monkey do. You don't innovate, you duplicate. You're a replica. I might as well put you in an assembly line and let you be a carbon copy of everything and everybody that's out there. You have not recognized your individuality. You have not recognized that you're your own man with your own thoughts, your own gifts and talents, and more importantly, intentions. But in the midst of being gifted and talented in your own man or own woman, it is your attitude that has been compromising your altitude, your pride, your ego, your narcissism, being so consumed in self, not being able to coexist with others. I, me, and my comes out of your mouth. How many times can you go through your day without saying I, me, and my and flipping that into we, ours, and us? How often can you do it? I believe that if your career is not on the level that it's supposed to be on, you are all about sabotaging, self-sabotage, and self-defeat. You may believe because your mama taught you this or your daddy taught you this. You may believe that you don't deserve to find the things in life. See, the way in which we operate, ladies and gentlemen, it's a manifestation of what we believe, what's possible for us. Whatever you've done up to this point, all that it really is, is a duplication, it's a reproduction of what you believe subconsciously that you deserve and what's possible for your life. So as soon as an opportunity presents itself for your career and your life to go from here to where you should be, you figure out a way to fuck it up. Self-sabotage and self-defeat. It's something. It is a family negative gene that gets passed down. You have witnessed your mama, your father, or somebody in your immediate circle fuck up every opportunity that presents itself. Self-sabotage self-defeat you don't feel like you deserve the finer things in life that's why every time the opportunity presents itself you figure out a way to fuck it up now that could be in a man that can be in a woman here's a man that respects you wants to treat you like the world in your mind he doesn't challenge you he doesn't beat you he's not putting you down being mean evil and condescending so you don't feel like you deserve the finer things in life so you figure out a way to fuck it up because in your mind, you're bored. You're not challenged. I don't know. I need a thug. Self-sabotage and self-defeat is real. What I'm suggesting that you operate out of a larger vision of yourself. I want you to see yourself doing what you want to do, experiencing what you want to experience, having what you want to have, doing what it is that gives your life some meaning and value. Operate out of your imagination, not your memory. Well, most people, ladies and gentlemen, when something happens to them, what they do is they begin to believe that that's the way it is. That's the way it's always been. And they can't see the possibility of it being any different. Example, before April 1954, 
The common belief, the universal belief, because it had been tried again and again and again and people had failed, the belief was that man was not physically capable of breaking the four-minute barrier, that he could not run a mile in less than four minutes. It had never been done. But here's what happened, ladies and gentlemen. Roger Bannister came along and he broke the four-minute barrier. Since that time, up to this day, over 20,000 people have done it, including high school kids. What changed? 20,000 people, what changed? Here's what happened when they got on the track. They knew it had been done. There was a new belief about this goal that was unreachable. Knowing in their heart that someone had done it, that it's possible that they could do it. And I'm saying that if you know anybody that had some goals, some dreams, something they wanted to do, and they did it, then I'm saying that you know in your heart that if someone has done it, then you can do it. It's possible. If someone can make their dream become a reality, that it's, it's possible that you can make your dream become reality. And so as you begin to look at where you want to go, beginning to embrace that, it's possible. I'm blessed and highly favored. I've got a lot going for me. I've got some good stuff in me. I like my life. I like the things that are going on in my life. I'm not going to sabotage it. I love flying. I'm not a duck. I'm not average. I'm an eagle. I am individually me. I fly high above the clouds. That's who I am. And it's possible that I can bring my greatness out here in the universe. I can write my own book. I can have my own business. I can take the trip and travel around the world. It's possible. I can bounce back from adversity and reinvent my life. It's possible. Regardless of where I am, the things can get better for me. Do you want to fly or do you want to remain average? Being attractive and flying swagged out it's not going to get you everywhere in life. It can only get you so far. You have to be a thinking man and a thinking woman. Your attitude will continue to compromise the altitude of your life and your career. And I'm thinking about two men who are fairly successful, similar background, educated. They worked for a corporation for many years, and they were among many people that were laid off. One went out looking for a job for several weeks, along with the other one, and they faced disappointment and rejection again and again and again. They couldn't find any work, which is the story of many people across this country. One guy stopped. He became discouraged. He stopped going. He stayed home looking at television, became very argumentative and toxic with his wife, drinking beer, getting on the phone, talking to his other negative, unemployed friends, and he just gave up. The other guy kept looking for a job everywhere he could go. Every time he could get an opportunity, kept asking people, checking the newspapers every day, kept going everywhere he could, trying to find a job. He kept going, he kept going. He went to a place and said, look here, I tell you what, if you can't hire me, and I know you can use my talents, abilities, and skills, just let me do some volunteer work. You don't have to give me anything. I just want to work. I want to be busy. 
guy said, okay, it's on you now, but don't, don't expect me to give you anything. It's okay. This guy came in and worked. He was the first one there. The last one to leave was the best employee there. About four weeks later, one of the top managers quit. They were looking for a replacement. Guess who they selected? This other guy. This guy who was volunteering his time. He got the job. See, that's the difference in how your life works out. It's not what happens, it's what you do. Now see, if you don't do something starting tomorrow that'll make a difference, guess what? It's gonna be the same. And see, that way you can guess what the next five years are gonna be like. Look at the last five. Because the next five are gonna be like the last five, unless you, major key, tomorrow, change it all. What was the difference between the two men? Eyesight and mindsight. Eyesight is judging on what you see. Judging according to appearances. But mindsight is how you interpret what you see. One guy said, it's not possible, it's over, I'm finished. I can't do it. He surrendered. I faced rejection again and again, I'm not going anymore. There are no jobs out there. But this other guy, he felt that in spite of the no's and rejections, in spite of how bad the economy is, in spite of what the newspapers are saying, that it's possible that somebody somewhere will give me a job. He just kept going, thinking it was possible. Keep going, like keep going, don't quit. You're already in pain, you're already struggling. Like get something for your pain. It doesn't make sense to go through pain and then not get nothing on the other side of it. Get nothing on the other side of it. Get nothing on the other side of it.